Hey, what up? Hello, everybody. Alex Kapitko here, centered from Reality Podcast. First and foremost, I apologize. Episodes have been a little bit shorter this week. This one is going to be a little bit quicker as well, shorter, however you want to say it. Uh, been a busy week. The weekend episodes, tomorrow's episode likely will be significantly longer, but I wanted to take a little break this week. I've been busy, but so much has happened that it's nearly impossible to take any breaks. So once again, here we are. And it's a beautiful Thursday evening, getting getting ready for some trivia, fast talking here to get my mind firing, something like that, we'll say. And I, I mean, there's been a lot of new events unfolding in the Middle East. I'm going to wait a few days to really form too much of an opinion because everything's changing. News stories are being picked up from miles away. But just a couple things. Uh, the State Department does seem to be, I guess you could say, somewhat divided now internally, at least according to reports, on the Biden administration's response and cooperation with Israel. Uh, there's there's reports in CNN about how a State Department official who has about 11 years of experience basically has resigned due to, in quotes, a policy disagreement concerning our continued lethal assistance to Israel. It's clear that... This guy basically talks about how, you know, Hamas's attack on Israel was horrible. It was a monstrosity of monstrosities. But he also doesn't think that basically we should be giving Israel weapons to just make this worse and lead to collective action. I uh, My opinions are complicated on that in general. But I think it is interesting to see kind of an, an internal disagreement going on inside of the Biden administration, inside of the State Department. And I think it actually is pretty exemplatory of what's going on in the United States, right? People are quite divided on what to do, how should we respond, do you call for a ceasefire, all of that stuff. And even today I saw that protesters have been outside Kamala Harris's house calling for a ceasefire. Obviously there were pro-Palestinian protesters at the Capitol yesterday. Lots of conversations happening about this. And it's, it's, it's really tough. And I actually, to be honest... I am glad that there is an internal disagreement going on in our government over how to respond to this because I don't like it when a government is just one-sided, full speed ahead. I think groupthink is what led us to some of the failures in Iraq and Afghanistan, and I think it's important to have people in the room disagreeing. I think discourse and disagreement can lead to maybe more nuanced policy down the road. Of course, this guy resigned, so it doesn't really matter, but I do think that it's good that employees inside of the government have different beliefs on this issue because it is it is nuanced. And anyone, like I've said time and time again, anyone who has a black and white opinion on this shouldn't because it's not a black and white issue. What is black and white, obviously, is we don't want you know tens of thousands of people dying and Hamas is bad. <laughs> and again, the issue here, though, is that if we keep letting these invasions of Gaza and these bombings of Gaza continue, we're looking at some pretty bad entrenched warfare, urban warfare that could last a long time and lead to a lot of deaths. But the other thing I will say is that I, I think the big news of the day would be that an American warship in the Red Sea stopped, shot down, however you, however you want to say it, three cruise missiles and I think like two or three drones that were apparently launched from Yemen. And they were potentially targeting Israel. But again, reports are hazy. The fog of war is thick right now. And from what I do believe happened is it was Houthi rebels 
inside of Yemen. We have the Yemeni civil war still going on, which, by the way, I should probably do an update on soon. I'll add that to my growing list of things that we need to talk about. But we have to remember the Houthi rebels are militants, I guess you could call them, that are backed by Iran. And they have previously launched rockets and drones from Yemen. And since they came from Yemen and they were headed in the direction of Israel, you would probably have to assume it was the Houthis or some Iranian-backed groups in the region. And of course, this just is another sign that tensions are getting worse in the region, right? And this comes as Iran threatened preemptive action to defend Gaza. And so things are heating up quickly. And it, there's also reports of obviously growing tensions in Lebanon. Iran is striking back towards Hezbollah. We're still not to the worst case scenario yet, but it is not good. Though I will say it looks like food, medicine will be sent into southern Gaza through Egypt, which is good news. I think I think people are being pretty critical of Biden going to Israel right now, but at the end of the day, I think he was able to basically tell Netanyahu, if you guys want our support, you want our weapons, you want our assistance and diplomatic aid, then we do have some standards. And one of them is we need to let food and medicine into Gaza. So that is good news. We'll see. We'll see how this actually works because I did see the United States basically single-handedly vetoed a vote in the United Nations yesterday involving sending more humanitarian aid to Gaza. So things are heating up. I am going to wait a few days to say much more, but that's just a quick brief overview of what we're seeing right now. Um, I want to talk for the rest of the episode about our friend Sydney Powell. Do you guys remember her, Sydney Powell? She's the release the Kraken gal, the really kooky one. Uh, one of Trump's 2020 lawyers, one of the craziest. And I looked her up, by the way. I don't know how you become what she did because she was a federal prosecutor. Not like not a bad track record, but somewhere along the way, she became friends with Michael Flynn and went down kind of the QAnon far right rabbit hole. And now she's she was potentially facing felonies, but she's pled guilty. Looks like she's going to flip and it could be bad for others, like Rudy Giuliani specifically. So yeah, let's, let's get into that. The Atlantic writes in a pretty good article from David Graham, Sidney Powell, the attorney who used that catchphrase, released the Kraken for her work to overturn the 2020 presidential election, pleaded guilty today to six misdemeanors in Fulton County, Georgia, as part of a sweeping racketeering case against Trump and 16 under, others. Sorry. Uh, the article continues, under the terms of the deal, Powell admitted, in quote, she conspired to breach the election systems in Coffee County, Georgia. She recorded a proffer video with prosecutors that described the crimes, and she agreed to testify at future cases. She also wrote an apology letter to citizens of Georgia and agreed to pay almost $9,000 in fines. You know, honestly, guys, I think this is a pretty damn good deal for her, at least in Georgia. We do have to remember that... She also faces defamation charges for her attacks on voting machines like Dominion. And she's also an unindicted co-conspirator in Jack Smith's federal case. So it's not like she's out of the woods yet. But this is a pretty damn good case for someone who is probably facing felonies. And <laughs> I read a good piece by this guy, Anthony Michael Kreese, who is a law professor at Georgia State. And he said in quotes, it's a great deal. If I were her, I'd be very pleased. And he said it's a good deal because basically <laughs> she had to apologize to the people of Georgia. 
pay about $9,000 between fines and restitutions, and she's going to receive 12 months of probation for each count. So really not too bad, right? Considering a felony, I'm no lawyer, but when I hear the word felony, I think of something much worse than a misdemeanor. And basically also the felon or the, sorry, the misdemeanor charges can be wiped from her record as a first offender if she actually complies with all the terms of the agreement. So that's pretty good news. And so more of the details on this, there's a guy, Kenneth Cheesebro. I always want to call Cheesebro, Cheese, Cheesebro, Cheesebro. No, I think it is Cheesebro. Um, for some reason, whenever I think of Kenneth Cheesebro, I want to call him Kenneth Cheeseburger, or I think of the Green Bay Packers and I picture him in a cheese head. I don't know. That's just where my head goes with him. Kenneth Cheesebro. It's not actually spelled two E's. It's spelled a little bit differently. But anyways, he's another guy accused in a different scheme of being part of the false electors thing in Georgia going on for for Trump in 2020, right? And I guess what happened is Sidney Powell literally last minute was like, all right, I'm going to plead guilty, plead guilty to this. And she was set to go on trial tomorrow alongside the other lawyer, Kenneth Cheesebro, who <laughs> he's actually accused of designing... The, pretty much this entire scheme to submit the false electors on behalf of Trump, disenfranchise voters, all the fun stuff. And of course, these are only two of 17. By the way, I recommend looking up both of these two's mugshots for the Georgia case, because while Trump's is kind of a genius one, it gives diabolical villain vibes. Sidney Powell's is like one of the creepier, kind of one of the more disturbing ones. It looks like a woman who truly fell from grace. So definitely recommend looking that up. Anyways, that lawyer again from Georgia State, uh, Anthony Michael Kreese, he told David Graham in The Atlantic in quotes that although today's plea doesn't offer the public any new information about the case or the evidence they have, it seems to have a potential to affect the overall Fulton County case. David Graham writes, in short, Kreese told me in quotes, I think there are a lot of people who are in more trouble than they were before. And look, this is something that I've talked about before. A lot of people have talked about before. Basically, the idea that lumping these 17 people together in Georgia, maybe it could backfire. But also, in a sense, if you get them turning on each other or calculating their own side of the prisoner's dilemma that is clearly growing, maybe they turn on each other. Because look, I'm going to go out on a limb and say these aren't the most like respectable, respectable, loyal, classy people. I can see them all turning on each other in a kind of circular firing squad type of vibes. I can absolutely see it. And so I, I've read some opinions that said maybe the smart side of Fannie Willis doing this is that they turn on each other and maybe the top guys like Eastman, Rudy Giuliani, Donald Trump feel more heat down the road if you get these lesser people getting into this blame game or basically trying to commit self-preservation and turn on others. And so <laughs> it does seem like there probably are a lot of people who are in a lot of trouble right now. Again, probably Rudy Giuliani will go down as just this Shakespearean figure. In my head, I keep going back and forth. Is this a Shakespearean comedy or a Shakespearean tragedy? And in a sense, like... Greek tragedies and Greek comedies, they both have a lot of the same elements in them. I think in tragedies, you feel worse for the person, though it's still a comic demise. And in comedies, you don't feel as bad for the person. That's kind of how, I, how, I, how I've always felt about those. But Rudy Giuliani, I mean, this guy, I don't, think, I don't think things could get much worse for him, but I was reading a piece in Mother Jones that was talking about how 
yeah, uh, if anyone's really going to get hit bad in this case, it's probably going to be Rudy Giuliani. Mother Jones writes here in quotes, Powell's plea looks particularly bad for Rudy Giuliani, the former Trump lawyer who has worked with Powell in late 2020 to advance bogus election fraud claims. Giuliani, who appears to be broke and unable to pay legal fees, also faces 13 counts in the Georgia case. So isn't that fun? But anyways, I think The Atlantic does a good job in interviewing this lawyer, Anthony Michael Kreese, and he talks about the three reasons why this case and this plea deal that Sidney Powell has done really could change things. So the first one is that removing Powell will allow them to actually focus on this Kenneth Cheesebro guy or Kenneth Cheeseburger guy. And it'll help them be able to focus on his trial, which could help prosecutors, right? And it also, though, could, and this is the interesting part, it also could satisfy Cheesebro himself because his attorneys, I guess, have been trying to separate Sidney Powell's case from his case. And now that Powell has already pled guilty and is no longer getting the same treatment he is, now the spotlight's on him, so maybe he also decides to make a plea deal. Then you have another person agreeing to testify, agreeing to admit their guilt, which is all not good for Trump and I think the MAGA movement and the Stop the Steal movement in general because at the end of the day, their whole mission was this was a legal effort to make sure an election wasn't stolen. Trump has talked about how he was just fighting for the people. I need, I need 11,000 votes. Come on, give me a break. The perfect phone call bullshit. And so if more of the people involved in this start pleading guilt and ending up turning, it's just worse, at least in an image way, for his whole campaign, in my opinion. Now, the second reason the Atlantic David Graham mentions here is that basically Powell's plea moves forward the Coffee County side of this entire racketeering case. Because again, there's <laughs> you have Fulton County, you have Coffee County. There's a lot of shit going on here. And uh, Graham writes, according to prosecutors, in quotes, the conspirators arranged to unlawfully access and copy data from voting machines in the southeastern Georgia location. Powell is the second person to plead guilty to involvement there, following Scott Hall, an Atlanta bail bondsman who copped a plea in September. And now here's the big thing. Do you guys remember Jeffrey Clark? <laughs> testimony we've heard now, January 6th committee, what we found out from the Jack Smith stuff, it all is pointing at Jeffrey Clark, who is kind of a radical nut job. They were trying to basically use emergency powers to make him head of the Justice Department. And he had some wacky ideas. And so they think the testimony of Sidney Powell, along with Scott Hall, could lead to helping prosecutors get Jeff Clark. And that would be good because he is a dangerous person with wacky legal theories. I recommend looking into more detail what different investigations so far about January 6th have brought up about him and how he was going to probably become the head of the DOJ. Scary stuff. Him and Cash Patel, two guys that are not talked about enough that would be very dangerous in government. And if Trump gets a second term, they would definitely be there. So we need to bring these guys down now. Another reason why I think her plea deal is interesting, though, is that, again, and I've kind of talked about this already, it's like, how do some of the people accused, one of the, the 17, some of the 17, how do they react to this deal? And this gets us to the idea of the prisoner's dilemma, right? Game theory. So you have 15 of them. Trump, I don't think Trump, Trump's the wild card here, so let's not even talk about Trump. But some of the others, they all have different interests. 
and how they choose to play and go along or not cooperate, it's going to determine how the rest of this unfolds. It's going to determine how the rest of this game, this dilemma is played out. So Powell's conviction, in a sense, is it the first domino in a cascade? Or is it just this grueling chaos that we're seeing? And I think either one could be true here. But again, like I said, these are self-interested people who are focused on self-preservation. And at the end of the day, I think this really will be an interesting game theory because we've already seen two, as we talked about, Hall and Powell. I don't think they're going to be the last ones. And I, I think the thing here is that at the end of the day, if I were Trump, I still wouldn't feel good about any of this because it just seems like the walls are closing in. Now, I don't think they're going to close in in time. I think he still has a pretty good chance of being elected president again, which scares me. But at the end of the day, like I, I don't think he sleeps well at night. If he does, it's good for him. He must really not have any sleeping issues. But it just seems like this is another example that is kind of degrading his legal arguments, degrading the movement, and degrading the stop the steal stuff. And that's all good. So we'll keep you guys updated. Just wanted to do a quick episode on this. But yes, the Kraken has been unleashed. Or I guess the Kraken's pled guilty. I don't even know. We're not going to talk about it much longer. Have a great rest of your night. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and wish me luck in trivia tonight.